Now, tomorrow is Remembrance Day, of course, and there are, as always, a number of ceremonies to take part in. In Vancouver, there's the big one that's at Victory Square, starts at 10.30 in the morning. In Richmond, they're hosting a parade and ceremony starting at 10.20. That's going to be happening on the east side of Richmond City Hall. If you're out in Surrey, there are a few ceremonies to choose from, actually. One at the Crescent Legion, one at the Surrey Centre Cemetery, one at Veterans Square in Cloverdale, one at Wally at the Legion that they have there. Uh, you've got ceremonies happening in a few locations in Langley as well. Douglas Park, Fort Langley, Murrayville. I think there's actually one or two more there too. But I mean, Delta has two, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Port Moody, Maple Ridge. I mean, you should have no problem finding a ceremony in your community to take part in. And I think the reason why people do, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you want to make sure that, you know, you remember uh, the people who sacrificed. You also maybe want to remember the family connection you have to Remembrance Day because everyone has been impacted by this in some way or another. If there is a personal connection, maybe that's a story that your family has talked about or you have heard while you were growing up. So we make the effort to, of course, remember them on this day. And these are the kinds of questions that Canadian stage and screen actor R.H. Thompson is exploring in his new book. It's called By the Ghost Light, where he takes a deep dive into the lives of his eight uncles who served in the First and Second World Wars. He wanted to try to better understand just how far-reaching the impact of war has been. So our producer, Bianca Rego, decided to also find out what inspired him to write about his own personal story and share it with the world. The stories that we, we have in our families that we tell about wars, a lot of war in my family, I lost seven great uncles in World War One. So it's kind of like, how do you remember a war in a family? in a province, in a country, in a world. As families tell the stories of war, or Canada tells the stories of war, to whose purpose do those stories serve? And how should we listen to the stories of what's being told? So, because I lost seven great uncles in World War One, and four of them were brothers from one family. And their little sister, way back in the 1920s, she collected all the 700 letters that her four brothers who had died, she collected them all, and it became a memory vehicle. So years ago, I did a play called The Lost Boys, and the, everyone who came back to my dressing room afterwards, they told me their stories. That was the trigger when I realized everyone had these really vibrant and sometimes very profound stories in their families. Therefore, you've got to talk about it all. If you're going to remember a war or if you're going to do Remembrance Day, you've got to talk about everyone, and that's your family and each family of all the people who are listening to this program. Can you yep. tell me some of the stories that you learned about your uncles uh, who did participate in World War I and World War II? In the book, I, I imagine myself in the theater, and the theater's dark, and I imagine they're all sitting around in the wings, and sometimes they walk on stage and say, okay, I'm going to talk now. Um, and then I tell some of the stories, like uh, George, is, George was my great uncle. He was killed at Passchendaele. And the family lore is, yeah, George was killed instantly at Passchendaele. A shell came over and killed him instantly. And when you start digging into the history, much later, you realize he wasn't killed instantly. It was a pretty messy death. And it had various stages to it. And I, ha I found an account of a private who said, yeah, I was told to come out. They dug him out alive. He'd been buried. Uh, I was told to put him over my shoulder and take him to the dressing station, which was 10 or 15 minutes away. So I walked for 10 or 15 minutes with the guy over my shoulder, who was my great uncle, 
who is probably bleeding internally and conscious or unconscious. And the account says, yeah, when I got to the dressing station, uh, I took him in and the doctor said, no, throw him out the back, put him on the pile, he's dead. So that's the detail of the story of a death in war that I think is worth thinking about. Because when you wrap it up and say it cleanly, well, he was killed instantly, good. Close the book, chapter's cleaned up, move on to the next commercial. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. It's messy. And if you open up the mess, you start to see the humanity of it. And in this instance, I was doing a documentary back in Belgium, and I was working on a project which I called The Golden Members. And I said, okay, let's, let's actually find out where he was hit. And with the help of some Belgian researchers, I found the exact spot in Belgium where he was buried. Then I knew where the dressing station was in a concrete pillbox. So I, took a, I said to a friend, I'm going to carry you. So I thought I will reenact George's last 10 or 15 minutes. So I put my friend on my shoulder and I walked that walk on which more than 100 years ago, my great uncle died. And for me, that's how you remember. I don't think you remember in abstract lounge and we all line up very nicely and honorably and we remember them. I don't think we remember them anymore. I think we remember them by name. Why do you think it is so important that these stories are told and that we're able to ruminate on them together? Because I think that's who we are as a country. I think that's one of the great positive energies of what Canada has set out to do. We're about the only country in the world who said, you know, eventually we're going to be a plurality of minorities. There's going to be no majority anymore. It's going to be every community is here. And I think there's a huge strength in that. So by remembering and saying, okay, we're not going to exclude anyone's story. I find that idea energizing because we're in a big experiment, not experiment, journey to reconcile with First Nations peoples. And that's so important. You know, it's not until every one of those graves that they're finding around those residential schools, it's not until each of the children buried there are named and brought into the public record then we'll have grown as a country and we'll be able to move on. So that's why I pursue the world remembers. And um, it's crazy, but I think it's worth doing. Tell me more about your project, The World Remembers. The World Remembers is a crazed idea that sort of came out of the play that I was telling you about and the reaction with my own great uncle's death and all the rest of it, in that we are everybody now. Everybody lives in Canada, every community. So are you going to do November the 11th in the image that we were, that Canada was in 1919, 1920, which thought of itself as a very white country and we were very British? No, that's not who we are now. We're a very different nation. We're a nation of all peoples. Therefore, you should remember as all peoples. Therefore, I said, let's take a war and let's name everyone. And we set out to name everyone from both sides. So you go into the detail and you say, let's really look at the details. So the world remembers now the database that we've built up of all the names so far from 23 countries is four and a quarter million names of those killed in World War I. And anyone can go and look for the name. So it's a way of saying to everyone in Canada, you are all included in this commemoration exhibit. How are you able to compile all of these names and find all of their stories? One crazed step at a time. I thought uh, when I started the project in 2012, 2013, I thought there's no way this is going to work. It's probably got a 30% chance of working. 
But you kind of chip away at it, and then you get one country in, and then two countries. And they, we, we did an event in Trafalgar Square, and the Queen came and opened it. And the moment she came, then other countries went, oh, well, who's this Canadian actor guy? He's doing this weird project. Oh, the Queen came to one of his projects, and they paid more attention to me. So I would go to Moscow, I would go to Serbia, I would go to Belgium, I would go to Rome, saying to each of the countries, look, why don't we make a communal memory of this one war? We've all got to be part of it. So we're kind of halfway through. We have 23 countries. We're showing at the Canadian War Museum. As I say, there's a website. People can contact us. People can donate on the website. But you can also go, okay, I'm going to go look up my family name and see if you're there. They can go look. And we've involved them in remembrance. And that's what I think we've got to do as a country. So that's what I'm doing. Is it easy? No. Is it mad? Yes. But so far, we're still doing it. So. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.